This episode is dedicated to Anna Silva, Richard Jervis, and Shovrash Nushbrishbach. Hello, podcast people. You just made my day. Folks, this has made my day, the podcast that celebrates the little tiny wonderful things in life. This is episode four, brought to you the week of December 1st, the first day of the best month of the year, 2013. I am your host, James Kennison. Welcome to my world. Wow. Okay, so what we do here, again, is celebrate the little wonderful things in life, the things that make your day. My hope is that not only will you enjoy the things that made my day every day this week, but that you too would begin thinking about the wonderful little things in your life that make your life worth living. And so if you're a depressed person or a person on the process of becoming depressed or coming out of depression, or maybe you're just a normal Joe just going through life, not feeling real good about much of anything, maybe this show make you a little happier. How about that? If I could do that, then it was worth hitting record and talking into a overpriced microphone for 30 to 45 minutes. So let's jump in. What are the things that made my day this week? I never know. I never know because each show is dictated by the week that I had. And some weeks, as you know, are better than others. This one I don't know that it has as much content as last week did, which is kind of good, but we'll see. We'll see. I think it's fun to find out exactly what each show is going to be like based on the week that I did have. So hopefully you will enjoy the journey along with me. First thing I did, for example, on day number one, the thing that made my day that day is I installed a new wireless router. And if any of you are geeky or nerdy or just love that Wi-Fi like I do and depend on it family-wide like I do, then uh, that will mean about as much to you as it does to me. Because our new router, the old one was fine. It was fine. It wasn't broken when messed up, but it just wasn't getting the range that we wanted. Um, the speed was fine, but you had to be so dang close to my room, which is where the thing's located, that, uh, you know, if you were out in the car trying to get your GPS going with your iPhone, it was just within range enough to where it would try to use the Wi-Fi, but not close enough to be able to actually benefit from that connection. So my wife uh, experienced the same thing. You know, out in the living room using her iPad to watch 30 Rock. So, um, we, we went and, we went and updated. And it's great! I, uh, I think we got a Linksys, and I don't know what kind it is, but, uh, I did the Amazon thing, and, and searched while I was at Target, Target, and I bought it, and a couple more days installed it, and it's pretty dang cool. I'll tell you what, it's a heck of an upgrade, because it's been... Five plus years since I've gotten one, and the interface, the user interface is much, much improved. And I know why. It's because it's more popular than ever. And um, people back in the day, 
the early adopters like me, we didn't need a touchy-feely interface. But I like it. It's cool. We get a guest network and everything. So if you ever come over to my house, you're going to see NLCast is the main SSID. And then there's going to be this NLCast-guest. And that's all you're getting. And it's password protected, but it's pretty lame password. So if you ever come by my house, you can use baloney1 and you can hack me. Um... The other thing that made my day is I had the kids all week. It was awesome. It was vacation, you know, uh, Thanksgiving break for them. They had a great time. I had a great time. They let me sleep till noon every single day, which is amazing. And uh, But they got a little bored um, with television and computers, if there is such a thing. I don't know how it could happen, but it did. And I told them, well, play a board game, dadgummit. And... Um, My kids, I don't know, they always have to be motivated a little bit with fear to do anything that I want them to do that isn't computer or TV. I think most kids these days are. Any any kid that has access to a gadget or a device, you know what I'm talking about. So um, I pretty much had to tell them, um, and it's not fear for their life. I just motivate with the fear of something... Really, really, really boring. So you guys need to find something to do now, or you're going to spend the rest of the day in your room. I mean, that was like the the punishment of choice when I was a kid. That was when you got off easy. But nowadays, it's like the worst thing you could ever do. So um, they pulled out Candyland, because that's the only game they can both play. They got Uno, they got... Pass the pigs, you know, just the normal games. Because we don't play games, really. Monopoly, you know, the games you have to have. Connect Four. But my son, Jay, who's five, just doesn't get most of them. So they play Candyland. Well, they played through once, and Jenna tolerated that. But then she realizes, like most kids do after a while, it's a game completely based on chance. There is no skill whatsoever involved, so she doesn't want to play through a second time. And so I came up with a bright idea to add dares. I said, kids, whenever you land on, play again, but whenever you land on blue or red, you have to do a dare. Well, my daughter perked up like 90 to nothing, and she ran and got a piece of paper and started writing down dares. She wasn't uh, real good at it at first. Gave her a few to get started. I said, well, one of them should be, you have to hold an ice cube to your back for five seconds. Oh, she wrote that down. Ice cube, back, five seconds. And then I was like, well, what if you sent, you know, one of the others out and you had to go out the front door and yell to the neighborhood, I love you, neighbors. And then you had to come back in. Oh, Jay especially thought that was horribly embarrassing. He's not as outgoing as his sister. So she wrote that down. Um, several other ones was you had to come in and stand on one foot and do a silly dance in front of dad. And, you know, they, they, they got the gist of it and began to write their own. And sure enough, uh, Candyland was definitely the game of choice for the next few minutes or so. Eventually, the dares became the main thing and Candyland became something that went back into the closet. And they realized they could just dare each other to do silly things. And uh, so occasionally throughout the day, or the next couple hours, I should say, they would come in giggling and do something. I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, if I remember correctly from when I was on that side of things, it was something silly 
and dumb that you thought was horribly funny and you did it as quickly as possible, the minimum required action, and then you got the heck out uh, before you were totally embarrassed anymore. And that's probably what they were doing. So, yeah. The Doctor Who 50th anniversary at the movies. I got to go see it with my wife last Monday. It was awesome. It was her first geek outing, really, because she never went with me to any of the Star Wars prequels at midnight. And uh, she didn't go with me to the Marvel all day, you know, uh, Avengers, um, what do you call it, Uh, sit down and watch movies all day thing, whatever that's called. Yeah. Uh, so she went with to me with this, and it was great. We went at 7.30 at night. We had a babysitter, went out and did it, and, and it was great. It was her first real geek thing. She got to see people dressed up. She got to see dialects. She got to see geek girls, you know, just throwing together and cobbling together whatever else they had, a scarf from the fourth doctor, a hat, you know, uh, uh, some some sneakers and a T-shirt and, and some TARDIS earrings, and I, I just love that stuff. Uh, and we went, and it was great. One of my favorite parts, and I'm not going to spoil the actual show. What I want to talk about is when we went to this thing at the movie theater, we went to the 2D version. I don't really enjoy 3D movies. Why? Because I'm crazy, apparently. No, I can't see it. I don't know why. I don't get 3D. It just doesn't work for me. I think I have astigmatism. It doesn't work. I have glasses now, but I'm too cheap to try to find out if they work because I'm not going to sit through a whole movie just to see. If somebody wants to give me a free movie, I'd probably go and test it out with the glasses. Da 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 da. But anyway, we went to the 2D. And before the movie started, and it started, I want to say, 35 minutes late, which is a first. It was a first for me. They had a prequel thing, a little before the scenes deal with a Centauran. If you don't know what that is, too bad. If you know, then you know he looks like a potato head, dude. And he gave all these warnings about using devices during the show and and, uh, cell phones and showed these victims of people that were punished or got hurt because they used them while he was around. And, you know, it was pretty funny. If you know the character, he's he's a warrior, but he's really silly and he's a clone and blah, blah, blah. So, but the part that was really neat is he said at one point, see this young lady, and, and she has bandages over her eyes, Says she tried to watch this movie in 3D, and the doctor's chin was just too big, and it, you know, hurt her eyes or something like that. To just joke at cracking on his chin, first of all, and then secondly, I realized at that moment because he goes on to say, uh, "But you have chosen to see this without 3D," and it, they had they had completely patterned and 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 uh, set this thing up to apply to. My specific viewing experience, a 2D movie, and I just thought that was so cool. I love stuff like that. So, uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. So, I got to hang out with my wife. We got to talk about it. We got all caught up on, you know, the old episodes, and she saw the night of the Doctor, then the day of the Doctor, and it was just fabulous. It was awesome. Um, Oh, and then Monday, I also randomly, through a roundabout way, found out that made my day is a featured podcast in iTunes. It's awesome because every podcast I've ever done has been featured in iTunes as new and noteworthy. Um, And that's because I've got a pattern. I've got a thing that I do. Um, If you want to know more about that, then, uh, you know, go to... 
nlcast.com and click on the podcasting uh, category and you'll see some articles on how to get your podcast, your brand new podcast featured in iTunes. But um, I found out because some dude in the health because uh, one of the you know categories I posted in is a new one for me is health and and self uh, self helping self help. There we go. And so somebody that does this holistic thing, some guru guy that eats celery and poops out you know rabbit pellets, he emails me, or emails me and says I I uh, you know this that and the other and we should you know and it was completely a form letter. He acted like it was completely uh, customized to me, but it. it it, it really showed that he cut and pasted it because uh, I don't really have a message that I'm trying to get out. And he's like, your message needs to get out. It needs to get out, man. Raw milk. Oh. And, uh, but I don't have a message. I just am telling people about my week and I'm helping folks to think positively about their moments and celebrating them. Maybe that is a message. But anyway, long story short, I found out through him because he said, hey, your stuff's featured, blah, blah, blah. So I looked in the health and wellness area, and sure enough, man, just a little past the scroll, you know, because there's about 10 in front of mine, there's me. Ah, made my day podcast. Yay. And then I was like, well, I also submitted it in kids and family. Let me check. I clicked on the kids and family. Boom, right down the front. I'm doing better in my alternate category than I am in my first category, which is probably makes sense. There's a lot of health gurus out there trying to out guru each other. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm in there. And then I was like, okay, okay, okay. Let me go to the podcast category, the main iTunes page, blah, blah, blah. I click on it. I look, boom, there we are featured iTunes podcast in the whole big category. So, very honored, and I'm not bragging. I'm blaming you guys. You guys have done awesome. The The show has gone from um, zero to like 800-plus downloads a week, and um, in the first week, I mean. And uh, people have come over from Nobody's Listening, folks from Geek Loves Nerd, folks from Podcast Kid, folks that have just been waiting in the wings, and I appreciate it. That the show, no matter how good or bad it would be, would be nothing if you guys didn't listen to it, comment on it, and download it. So I appreciate it. It's all you. It's all you guys. So I'm bragging on you. Thank you so much for making my day. When I found out about that through a guru. Um. Oh, because of the 50th anniversary, this is day number two now, I decided um, that I was going to try... To go back to 2005 uh, with the with the Doctor Who thing, and watch it with my kids. Um, now I, you know you may not think that's the best idea. I got a five year old and eight year old, and I would agree to a certain extent. But I remember when I was a kid, and I would be watching Laverne and Shirley, Three's Company, freaking anything. I didn't care. The first part of Dallas, you know the awesome theme song, um, you know. Magnum PI. I was I was too dumb and too young to understand anything that was going on at all. I don't remember one plot from any of those shows, but um, I watched them. You know why? Because it was TV, and I was being allowed to watch it. And we didn't get to pick what we watched. It was whatever was on. And so uh, that stuff neither harmed me or helped me. So I kind of figured, hey. At least let me bond with my kids through this thing. So, 
when Jenna was younger, we tried to watch it, and she freaked out at the end of episode two when they show the part of episode three with the Gelf. If you know what that is, great. If you don't, too bad. Pity the Gelf. The Gelf reanimate dead bodies and make them walk around because they're trying to get help. It's scary looking, but it's understandable because these guys need help. No spoilers necessary. I'm just telling you what I saw. Freaked Jenna out. She never wanted to watch it again. Well, now she's eight, wants to try again. So we watched episode one, episode two, and skipped episode three right into four, which picks up right where two left off anyway. We're having a great time. I think we're on seven or eight now. The kids want to watch it every single day, all day, and that's all they want to do. And um, the funniest thing about it is they hate, they hate the title sequence. They don't get it, you know, because they they go right into it and they give you a little prequel of the story. And then it usually ends at some point, you know, some moment, you know, he, he drops his uh, sonic screwdriver or somebody says something and, or he turns around and there's people everywhere where there weren't supposed to be or there's a monster. And then... Well, then, when that stuff starts, they go crazy. They hate it. Oh, they gripe and complain. Genesis, it's like a commercial for a show you're already watching. I think that's a pretty astute observation myself. But it's a lot of fun sitting down with the kids. I want to watch it just as bad as they do. Going back and especially watching episodes one and two um, with Christopher Eccleston after seeing um, the 50th anniversary show. I mean, his jacket looks just like the other dudes. It's so awesome. If you're not a fan, become one. It'll help your life a lot better as you listen to Made My Day. Doctor Who. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Okay, Jay's Christmas. Oh, man. Um, my wife listens to this show. <laughs> and sometimes the kids are in the car. And so last last time when I started talking about the Disney cruise, she had to shut it off real quick and they asked him a million questions. Uh, that made my day to day. So, wife, um, I've already spoiled the Disney cruise again. <laughs> but if you're listening to this and the kids are in the car, shut it off now. Jay, um, my wife didn't have anything for him. He's hard to buy for. And... Uh, and I bought him a bunch of stuff, and um, and it came in from Amazon. And I really dug in hard, because the boy is hard to buy for. And I thought, what would he want? He's a lot like his mom. They're great, but they don't need anything. You know, they're pretty content. I mean, he likes flashlights and stuffed animals. That's it. Um, they don't ever want anything. Or, or if he does, it's, you know, it's, he doesn't really want it. He just says, oh, that'd be fun. He doesn't play with toys. Neither one of my kids ever have. It's crazy. But I really dug in and I'm like, well, he likes building forts. So I found this plastic fiberglass kind of bendable sticks that go into axes of some kind that kind of make a shell to where you can, the whole point is to make a shell of a fort so you can put a blanket or a sheet over it and it's, and it stays and they, they're always straight up making forts out of chairs and the chairs fall in on them, you know, because they're not balanced properly and they're, you know, how do we get the middle to stay up? Well, I got this whole kit now. They could do that. 
The other thing I got him, um, I, as a kid, loved cause and effect stuff like, um, you know, the ball rolls down, hits this, knocks the book over, and the book knocks that over, and it rolls down and hits this and that and the other. It's the cause and effect stuff, right? Well, I got him some marble run stuff. It's just, you, you know, multiple things. They spin pinwheels. They roll around in circles and drop down and it's that and the other. He's going to love it. It's going to be awesome. Um, he The one thing he did ask for like three times this year is this uh, Darth Vader mask that changes your voice. And so I got that for him. I tried it out. I wanted to put it over my face. You push a button, it says in this very straight up voice, this mask will change your voice to sound like Darth Vader. Hold the mask over your mouth and prepare to talk like Darth Vader. Hold your mouth over to the Vader, Vader, Vader. And so it, it beeps like a freaking message in the 80s on voicemail. And I started talking and all it did was... <laughs> Turns out my fat mouth apparently causes some sort of reverberation. If you don't know what that means, that means you've never played guitar. But guitars have a big hole so that the sound reverberates inside of the woodness of the of the of the instrument and it makes it out and it yells the sound rather than whispers the sound. Those are very technical terms, by the way. My mouth became the resonation chamber. My big fat mouth is too big to talk like Darth Vader through the child mask because my mouth is about the size of what is supposed to fit over his whole nose and chin, this little area. It's a little embarrassing. So I couldn't say, Luke, you know, I am your father. That was the best. That was the best impression ever. Okay. Day three. What made my day was a decision I made. It's a simple decision. And that decision is I'm not adding any more worthless things to my life. I've already got enough worthless things. And I'm talking about, you know, stuff like Minecraft and video games and, and uh, you know, uh, Facebook and Instagram and all this. I, I came across some really cool sounding new thing where you post pictures and there's ideas that are swapped around. And I was about to sign up for it and it just hit me in the head. It was just like, you're, you're just getting back to where you can handle life. Don't add any more useless crap to your life right now. And so I didn't. Matter of fact, I deleted some. I got rid of, of uh, Foursquare. I got nothing against Foursquare. I'm not morally opposed to Foursquare. I don't suggest you get rid of Foursquare. If you haven't tried Foursquare, try it. It's great. But if you're like me and you don't want to add anything more useless crap, don't try it. It's it, it just, all it did for me was get my mind off of eating dinner with my kids and got me pulling out my phone and, and trying to figure out had a punch in a check in and I was ignoring my family and kids. So I deleted it. No more useless stuff in my life. Um, I saw frozen this week. Frozen is the new Disney princess movie. And I'm going to tell you right now, it is amazing. I have not enjoyed a Disney princess movie or any Disney movie, uh, possibly besides meet the Robinsons. Um, since, my, uh, 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 my little mermaid, little mermaid, the little mermaid. I loved the little mermaid back in high school. I bought the album on tape and I memorized every song. And still to this day, the sea whiz is always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that is the big mistake. Okay. I know the whole thing. Um, 
I've embarrassed myself twice now <laughs> with that and the, I did the whole Doctor Who song. It's so stupid. Um, but it was the best Disney I've seen since uh, Little Mermaid. It was awesome. It was, I, I just know, uh, go ahead and write this down. They will be making a Broadway uh, show about this thing. It's got, the music is that good. It has got so many memorable moments. The characters are great. It has a spin on the whole Disney formula and a twist that will knock your socks off. The people in the in the auditorium went, I mean, <gasps> just in mass. It was awesome. So go see it in the theater. It was great. I'm not getting paid by anybody to say that. So, but if you want to pay me Disney, that'd be fine. Um, afterwards, we went down to the local pizza house and uh, I was messing with my friend. We went and saw it with a couple other people. And he was, they always complicate their order. Me and Jen, we're just like cheese pizza, large, and some pizza bones, which is what they call breadsticks, and they're awesome. And uh, so that was it. And they're like, we're going to get half Tuscan, minus cheese, minus meat, minus pork, minus egg, minus this. And um, and I so I start throwing things in. This lady's trying to write them down. And I'm like, yeah, how about a, can you get chicken bones on it? And she's like, chicken bones? And she looks up, you know. And then so my last suggestion, because they always ask, would you like garlic butter on the crust? And it's like, yeah, duh. But um, but I love that they ask, and I love that I get to answer that, because that should always be yes. Um, do you want garlic butter on your breakfast cereal? Absolutely. You know, that's like asking for more bacon. Yes. The answer is yes. But this time, um, I anticipated it, and I was like, I mimicked his voice, and I said, oh, and applesauce on the crust. And the lady looks up again, and uh, rather than getting a look of hatred, she actually repeated it. She said, okay, so applesauce on the crust. I'll see if we got that. And uh, he, he, he's like, oh, no, no. And so the, for the rest of the night, I was called applesauce. And I haven't had a nickname since sixth grade when my feet outgrew the rest of my body. And I was wearing size 13s when I was 13. And they called me boats because of my giant feet. So applesauce is definitely a better, you know, it's not a great one, but it's better than boats. So, uh, oh, after the movies, I saw a friend of mine. He's a young man. He's young. He's very young. He's not even 20, I would say. Uh, but he is a very cool kid. He's a great guy. I like the way he thinks. I like his humor. I like, most of all, that he thinks I'm cool. Because, you know, you can tell if you're cool or not, by who thinks you're cool. And nobody ever thinks I'm cool, but you guys kind of do. And and this guy, Christian, does. He he likes my humor. He likes the things I say online. He likes my photos and, and comments and this, that, and the other. And, it, and it's through my depression times, you know, near the end here, where I've been pulling out, because I've definitely been worse off than I am now, um... During the, you know, when the light started to come on a little bit and I'd see those, I dare to post things and I got his responses and replies. Everybody's made me, made my day, but here's a guy that shouldn't like me, that should not think a 40 year old man with two kids and a wife is cool at all, but he does. And that's incredibly validating and really cool. And the reason why, I, I got to say, I mean, I got to imagine it's because I am, I don't pander. 
I don't try to be cool. I'm not trying to stay young. I I just keep it real. I mean, if there's anything I could say about myself, it it's that. And and I'm not even saying it as a brag because sometimes real looks really really bad on me. Like at church today when I didn't sing. And when they passed the uh the the the, the what is it? The um Lord's Supper thing, the communion. I didn't take one. Uh, because I'm just not there yet. Not there yet. But it's real. And um, I think that's what he appreciates. Day four. I rewrote a Christmas story I did two years ago. Um, it was a story called The Christmas Repair Service. I was in the process. Uh, it has, it's fully illustrated. I've already written you know two before that that are available to, uh, actually today at, at jameskinnison.com if you'd like to look at them. Maybe you just want to tell it to your kids. Maybe you're a grandpa and you your family comes over on Christmas Eve. You could read it and show it on your computer screen. Or if you're a children's pastor or a pastor or any kind of thing that you need to share a story with a large group of people, that's what it was made for and that's what you can use it for. It comes with, it's fully illustrated, you know, both, both of the stories and all that kind of stuff. But this one um, was a little long. It was about 20 minutes to tell front to back. And I just like, you know what? I think it would be better as a rhyme. So I went and it took me days. I just got done with it. And I rewrote that whole thing, seven pages of, of uh, text um, into a rhyme. So I'm thinking about adding it to the end of this episode. So it may be a little long, but I'd love to get your feedback. I did that years ago on another show that I was doing at the time and I added uh, some some of the you know the spoken word part of the story and um, it really helped me out so I'd like to hear what you guys think before I release it on the public because right now I'm matching it up with the illustrations um, and you know getting background music or sound effects or whatever I'm gonna release it on YouTube and then try to uh, try to get people to buy copies of it for 10 bucks I don't think that's too much it's pretty Pretty good for what it is. Um, we had th- Thanksgiving at Cracker Barrel this year. That was really neat. Um, a lot of people would probably have issues with that. People get really mad that that Cracker Barrel would be open. Um, my wife knows that because she logged on to the website, couldn't get on, so she went to the Facebook page and somebody had started this big, long, arguing conversation about how Cracker Barrel shouldn't be open on Thanksgiving, at least they had a reason. The reason was that the people there, you know, uh, have families too, the ones that are working. And so, you know, I thought that was true, but I also thought, you know, uh, Christmas or uh, holiday pay, when you're at that pay grade, you're, you're wanting to work. You hate it, but it's not something you're saying no to because, you know, you're there. And so when we were there and we got in, it took about an hour and a half to get in and seated at a table, lady comes up, and the first thing I did, and this is totally unlike me, because not because I'm not thankful, but because I'm not a person that just does this. I, I get nervous, I get scared, I'm shy, whatever you want to call it. But I just said, thank you for working on Thanksgiving. Thank you so much. And she stopped, and she said, you know what, you are the second person 
that's done that today. She's like a lady did it earlier. I was, she said, I was walking around thinking, you know, I'm working and all these people don't care. And I've got a daughter and I've got a, a mom and this, that, and the other. And she says, and this lady said, thank you. Right. As I was thinking all that stuff. And I, I broke down and I cried a little bit and this, that, and the other. And, and now you've said it. So thank you so much. And, um, and all I could think was when she left, I mean, cause I was very, very surprised by her reaction. Um, is is I I turned to my friend that we were eating with, and he is the guy. Like if he sees an old lady, he's gonna help her across the street. If he's somebody, if somebody falls, he he's not the person that's gonna wonder is he gonna get sued if he goes and helps them and and picks them up. He just does it. If if there's a homeless guy that comes and asks for money, he not only will will uh, well he doesn't give him money. But he, he has the numbers of all of the local help places. He can immediately tell if the guy's drunk, if he's high, what his issues are. He will. I heard him one time. He got his mom, the homeless dude's mama, on the phone, and turns out the dude hadn't been taking his medicine, and he got the guy some help and stuff. So anyway, this guy is the nicest human being in the planet, and I looked over at him, <laughs> and I said, "I outniced you." <laughs> Therefore, you know, immediately ruining any eternal rewards I might have garnered from such a kind act. But uh, it's worth it. The, the earthly rewards of beating out Marshik were, were definitely worth it. So, uh, watch more Doctor, Doctor Who with the kids while she went shopping. She went shopping. She, went, she, she always goes with a friend, does that Black Friday thing. I, I have no desire. There is nothing I want so bad that I got to fight five fat people to get to. And I would be number five. Day five. Jen told me I should write. She just came to me and she says, James, you've been doing this, you know, this redoing this story with the thing. You're you're trying to find ways to be productive and creative, but you're not quite ready to go out and, you know, do the job thing yet. So you should write. You used to write, you've written some stuff. And so I started writing a children's short story. I actually Went back into my Google Docs, and uh, I knew I had had a page full of ideas that I'd been writing out. You know, um, my years ago, I had an idea. I'm going to make children's bedtime stories, but I'm not going to tell the stories. I'm going to tell about the story, and so parents read that and then tell the story to their kids. So it's not, you know, Billy said this. It's just a, it's a paragraph or two. So I had this idea, and uh, so I was looking for that. I'm gonna. I'm going to flesh this out. I'm going to see what I do. But I ran across um, this uh, this story that I'd started about a kid who finds a pen. Um, just in a nutshell, here's the plot. He finds a pen, a, a, not a writing pen, a stick pen that would go on your lapel or something. But he finds a pen that, um, long story short, belongs to a superhero. And the superhero needs it back because the bad guys are looking for him because he doesn't have his powers and they're wanting to get him. And um, and Billy has a conflict about whether he is going to try to use, you know, well, whether he's going to give it back or not because he finds some things out. It's not as easy as it seems. Uh, but but my my story it has a moral, and the moral would be, 
that um, integrity, honesty, things like that, are definitely more powerful in the long run than, than any kind of superpower would be. And uh, that was a hard one because I'm like, that doesn't seem like it makes sense. I mean, I come with my integrity. Bad villain comes with his superpowers. Uh, he's going to beat me. But I figured out a way, <laughs> and it's not contrived. It's actually a really legit way to show that in the long run, uh, little Billy's uh, integrity is going gonna, is gonna to win. Because we're in a world, we live in a world that, that you know, it unfortunately does reward bad guys. And, and it does punish good guys. Because if you want to dedicate your life to people in Calcutta, you're going to be poor. You're not going to die a rich woman. And if a princess dies at the same time you did, Mother Teresa, your good deeds in a lifetime of service are going to be overshadowed by the lady that crashed in a tunnel because her uh, driver was drunk. So anyway, the story is coming together. I'm nervous. It's driving me crazy. And it's because this is the, probably the first thing I've ever done that I'm not real confident about. So more, more, more on that later. We'll see how it goes. I, I've pretty much got it all laid out and knocked out, but um, I want to do it right. I want to do it right the first time. Started reading Harry Potter to my daughter. Uh, that kind of rhymes. I can't wait to go through the whole amazing story with her. Whether you're a fan of Harry Potter or not, the reason I love it so much is, first of all, it's complete fantasy. People get hung up. People in Christian circles get hung up on it. Um, it is absolutely as fantastic, and I mean fantasy-based, as Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, you know, um, War of the Worlds, anything out there. It, it uses some keywords that, Christian people get hung up on, sure, but uh, I read through it, and I was not offended, or I, and I didn't find it to be an affront to my beliefs at all, uh, you know. So I'm, I am. It's a magical, imaginative journey, um, and it is wonderful. It is absolutely one of the best things I've ever read. And uh, my daughter's not quite to the point where she can read it herself. There's still some long word like, you know, re revulsion. She didn't know what that meant. And I asked me to explain it to her. So I'm reading it to her. And it's just awesome. I read about a half a chapter a night. It's So we should be done by the time she's 13. And uh, it'll be great. But um, I, I've been wanting an excuse to read something. And I just haven't done it. And... Uh, so this is killing two birds with one stone. It's a good thing. Day six, um, <laughs> we were sitting there eating dinner last night, and uh, just randomly, I'm I'm always, especially lately, now that I'm getting back to, and my humor's coming back, and I've always been a you know I pick on my kids and mess with them, and they love it, you know, and uh, they're pretty jaded about it, you know, like they they they're gonna grow up and not take any crap off anybody because of all the crap that I give them. But um, I randomly said, okay, kids, uh, now that you've eaten your sandwich or whatever we're eating, I'm like, I saw a box of matches on the table. My wife's been burning, you know, Christmas candles. And I said, now that you're done with your food, you guys get a match for dessert. So eat up. And um, my son immediately walks away. He's not interested. He He's, you know, 
very serious. But Jenna, she takes it to the next level. She opens the ba- the matches, and I'm about to stop her. She, um, I figured she's going to put it in her mouth and as a joke. And, I, you know, she's eight, so she doesn't know that's a stupid idea. But uh, before I can stop her, she pretends to strike it. And then she pretends to put it in her mouth. So I was like, oh, because I thought it was pretty genius that the girl would pretend to eat one. That's just, but she, <laughs> she strikes it and it's on fire in her imagination. And then she eats it. So I was like, okay, you know, you, uh, you definitely outdid me at my own game. Okay, tonight, full circle, we're back on Sunday. Um, we, we eat at PDQ again. I don't know why we do this, but once a week or so, I guess we end up at PDQ, the chicken place. And if you will remember, last week I mentioned that I had sauce problems at PDQ. And my daughter has not listened to the show. She did not know that I made a big deal of it. But when I go to place my order, my nine-year-old, or soon-to-be nine-year-old, I ordered my uh, chicken sandwich and she starts looking up at me and she's like and um um blip 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 a blip blip blue cheese and I was like oh oh you little punk and she's grinning from ear to ear she's totally mocking me from last week and uh that just makes me proud <laughs> I love it she got one over on me twice this week uh my last one my last one for for this episode is uh, I don't even know which day it happened on, but it was something I remembered right before I hit record. And that is uh, my my daughter's turning nine very soon, and uh, we're getting her birthday stuff ready. It's right before Christmas. We always try to do a good job um, because Christmas, you know, kids that have birthdays near Christmas get gypped quite a bit. So we definitely, you know, try to try to take care of her. But um, she's talking about it, and she. She mentions, you know, I'm turning nine. She goes, and and that means you guys are halfway done. And I did the math, and I'm like, yeah, eighteen. Dad, come it. She she figured it out before we did, and it, and it and it was. I wasn't as excited as I thought I would be. I've always been telling people and myself that I'm going to be thrilled when my kids are gone because we waited way too late to have them, and we got really set in our ways. And we miss a lot of the freedoms that we used to have. We always have. Let's go to a movie. Can't do it. Sorry, I need babysitter. Or it's going to cost us $47 to go. Um, so when she mentioned that she was, we were half done with her, holy crap, that slapped me upside the head. She's right. At first I was like, no, nah, she can't be. I did the math. At nine plus nine is 18. And yes, I know every parent out there that has a kid around that age are going to tell me, no, the parenting's not done. And I understand that. I know that with all my heart. I really do. Um, But for the most part, you know, that influence that we have had on her, you know, the the experts say, you know, by eight years old, your mind, you know, between eight and nine, your worldview is set. It's not irreversibly set. But it's pretty much set that every new idea that comes your way from then on goes through that filter and is judged by that. And um, I think we've done pretty dang good with her. Uh, but uh, 18, I mean, it, 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 
I'll just say it. It breaks my heart, okay? It's my daughter. She's amazing and she's funny and she's beautiful. And I am, I'm almost, I mean, I'm halfway done. Of course, I'm halfway done with my life too, which is also a little scary. I actually, you know, what's most scary is my life. I say halfway done, like I'm going to live to 80 years old. In 20 years, I'll be 60. <sighs> scary. So here's what made your day this week. I love to get these from you. I call them MMDs. You guys can send MMDs of your own to um, james at nlcast.com. I'm sorry, don't do that. Send them to mmdcast at gmail.com. That way they'll get filtered into the right folder and I won't lose it. Uh, Anonymous wrote in this week and he's got a pretty good one. He says, what made my day was turning another year older. I appreciate every birthday and here's the story why. When I was younger, I was diagnosed with cancer, stage four to be exact. And uh, it had encased my kidney and had spread everywhere else. It was so bad that at any moment I could have bled to death. To make a long story short, I had the mass removed along with my right kidney. And today I write you being healed of cancer for eight years. I don't know how to clap properly on a podcast, but that's amazing. I'm a cancer survivor. There was a time in my life when people didn't know if I'd live to be the age I am today. So my advice to everyone is to appreciate every day God gives you, whether good or bad, knowing that all things work together for those who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep the faith anonymous. I definitely agree that we should um, appreciate every day that God gives us, absolutely, whether good or bad. I've had a lot of bad this year, and I don't know that I'm grateful for them. Um, But I'm grateful to be past them. How about that? I'm grateful that they're over. I'm grateful that there was a light on the other end. So uh, I definitely feel you. Zeke says, hey, James, I just wanted to say... I went frisbee golfing and I saw a chicken in a tree or a bush. He goes tree slash bush. So it was a trubbish by Zeke. So apparently he didn't say it, but I'm going to say that probably made his day. And I guess if I saw a chicken in a tree, I would, uh, I'd be very excited too. I would be more excited to find myself playing frisbee golf. Because I don't know how to play, don't know anybody that does, don't know where the fields are, and it sounds dumb. Here's what made my day recently. I was sitting on the couch doing some work with my laptop. My two-year-old grandson comes over and touches my knee to get my attention and says, Please, please, or so I thought. I put the computer aside. See, that's cool grandpa right there. He's got a freaking computer. He's calling it a computer. He means laptop, I'm sure. And he jumps into my lap, and we sat there snuggling, and he hugged me. And then I realized he wasn't saying please. He was saying peace. I had a handful of leftover Halloween candy on the table next to me. That little bugger was only showing the love because he was trying to climb over the top of me to get to a piece, piece, piece of candy. What an LBB. (laughs) But a cute one. 
Yeah, he got a piece of candy. We sat and ate the whole pile. Best regards and keep up the creative work, Keith. Keith gets the best grandpa of the generation award. Yes, he does. And guys, um, that's it. That's it for this show. What made your day recently? What has meant something special to you? I want to share your little tiny wonderful moments with everyone who listens. So please email your moments. Just take a moment. And uh, man, do it daily if you want. I, I, I'll weed through them. doesn't matter. MMDcast at gmail.com. If you can do it in three or four sentences, you got a better chance than other people. But right now is the time to get your stuff on because I only get about three a week, three or four. So everybody's stuff is getting red. Even the chicken tree dude got red. So send it in. Until then, um, hmm. keep it real. This kid is Billy. He's an eight-year-old kid. This story is about him and some things he did. He has a sister named Melissa, who's 11 and a half, and a dog named Moffat, even older than that. His parents are wrapping gifts in the den on the floor, so the kids are counting presents just to see who has more. As it turns out, his sister has one more than him, so she brags and says, Ha ha, and just rubs it in. He wanted to say... You have a monkey-like head. But he knew she would tell, and then he'd be dead. He's saying nothing, and nothing would normally be right. But that's not why his lips are zipped up so tight. He is angry, inside raging, so when she's gone and done parading, he takes an ornament off the tree that she had made and snapped that star in half, misbehaving. He waited to belt out a diabolical laugh, like the bad guy does when he's got the good guy trapped. He only felt bad about losing control. And his heart broke a little, even though he didn't know. Add to that the fear that he suddenly is feeling, because he needs to hide this thing before anyone sees him. So he took the broken bits to his mom's nativity. Inside the wooden stable was that tiny family. Billy loved the Mary, Joseph, Shepherds, Wiseman, and the baby. So detailed and delightful, but this next part's just crazy. Because the one and only rule from mom about this diorama is that you keep your fingers off or you'll be facing an angry mama. Billy looked around, only the dog was there, looking up at him with a goofy doggy stare. With no one else to see him, he picked Jesus up and soon had him flying like Superman does. Billy made him say, no frankincense and myrrh, bring me the gold, that's what I deserve. And then in the middle of a triple loop flip, Billy's fingers spread a little and that little Jesus slipped. Billy squeezed his eyes shut and waited for the crash. The sound would bring his mother and her unrelenting wrath. But no, not a crash, not a clunk, but instead, a slurp. The clueless dog had caught baby Jesus by the head. The dog was very happy, which made Billy very nervous. Billy grabbed the Jesus feet and pulled and Moffat so enjoyed it. He thought this was a game of baby Jesus tug of war. Billy pulled hard, Moffat let go, and little Jesus soared. This time, no doggy came, no mutt to save the day. Baby Jesus, mom's favorite, hit the ground and then gave way. That means he broke, his small head popped, which is exactly what happens when an antique is dropped. This had been great grandmas, then grandmas, then moms. How long till she noticed that baby Jesus was gone? I need to fix this or hide it. Yes, hide it, that's good. Hide an ornament and a figure, he decided he would. 
He crammed them both in the couch where they'd be out of sight. Then the mail flap made a flap noise like it does, but at night. Billy ran over and checked through the mail, hoping for cards from grandparents with $20 bills. But nothing of interest except a card that was read. Christmas repair service. We work on Christmas, it said. Must be for Dad, so he tossed it away. If it wasn't about him, he didn't care anyway. In the car, kids, said Mom. For the Christmas Eve service, Billy hated that more than my little pony horses. Same music, same story, every year Christmas Eve. Come on, Pastor, just once can't you help me believe? I hear of this trip to Bethlehem every year. You'd think that just once they'd call ahead and prepare. Get a room in advance and be a good father. The best room in town for your son and his mother. The part Billy liked was the part at the end, when they handed out candles and he got to light his. So to skip to that party, bug Mom till she said he could go to the bathroom, but he drank water instead. He waited and he paced in the lobby until he thought he heard quiet. He walked in. All was still. It was time for the candles, but Billy was going to pout because he was gone when they passed them and they were all passed out. All the way home, Billy moped and he whined. Why didn't you get me one? I'll tell you why, said his dad. You thought playing was more important than the service. Plus, with your attitude, you just didn't deserve it. He was going to gripe more, but he quickly remembered the ornament he broke, the baby Jesus dismembered. He was worried and nervous and flustered, but not because he was sorry, but because he might get caught. Mom said, that attitude needs some work, Billy Skips. What you need is a good sleep. I think that should fix everything. So it's straight to bed, nothing else. And tomorrow we'll find out everything's fixed itself. I wish sleep would fix it. He wished it a lot. They got home, went to bed, but young Billy did not. He pulled the things from the cushions. His shame kept increasing. Why had he gotten so mad with Mel's teasing? And Mom's baby Jesus, why did this happen to me? He grabbed up a pillow and threw it right at the tree. Not that he meant to. He was just pitching a fit. But when he saw what he'd done, it was too late to stop it. The pillow hit the tree. It broke it right in half. The top half fell over. Lights popped. Ornaments crashed. Then the whole tree started leaning. Branches dug into gifts. And the treetop, star and all, ended up, you'll never guess, right on top of Mom's amazing, much-loved nativity scene, crushing stable sheep Joseph, wise men, and Mary. Then it was still. Billy stood there alone. A few lights still flashing like warning lights on the road. He wanted to cry, but he couldn't believe what he'd done. He thought of his family. Tomorrow morning it would come. His sister'd be first. She'd see with blurred eyes. She'd run to the parents and tell. Mom would cry. Dad would get serious when he'd usually be joking. But nothing is funny when Christmas is broken. He ran to his room, crying hard on his bed. He felt something cold on the side of his head. It was the card from before. Hey, what is this mess? The Christmas Repair Service. We work on Christmas. You don't suppose. They can't fix it all. Then a knock came at the front door, from the dark, down the hall. He ran to the living room and looked out the window. With gray uniforms, ties, and hats were three smiling fellows. He saw buckets and brooms and a ladder and more. We're the Christmas repair service, Billy cracked the door. The three rushed right in, started planning the job, setting up little stations not unlike a toy shop. I'll repair the ornaments, one man said with glee. Then I'll get to work on great-grandma's nativity. 
That leaves this disaster, said the third man at the tree. It's going to be a challenge, but we'll fix this, you'll see. Billy tried to close the door, but there was still someone there. A tiny little lady with a uniform and white hair. My name is Miss Ansa from CRS. Repairing Christmas is what we do best. Before we get started, I've got a few questions to ask. Can we sit? Billy was puzzled, so he just let her pass. We'll fix up your Christmas even better than new. But there'll be no change in Christmas if there's no change in you. If you don't come around, if you don't change your ways, you'll not only hate Christmas, but everything that doesn't go exactly your way. We call that a grump. We see this a lot. But the boss doesn't make grumps. Oh, no, he does not. He sends us to help, and we do a good job, but it's all up to you and how much you're involved. Do you want to be a grump? Of course I do not. Okay, good. Almost done. One more question I've got. Do you want to fix Christmas to keep out of trouble? Or because you care more that your family will struggle? One tear fell down from his eyes to his chin. I don't want their Christmas ruined the way mine has been. Miss Ansa smiled, stacked her papers, and then said, I think we'll have you fixed by morning. And she gave him a wink. Status check, she called out. The men stood tall, all three. Three stations, ma'am. First ornaments, then stable, then tree. We've got till morning to get this set right. So sound out a warning if you see some daylight. It's going to be close, but it should be a blast. Let's get this thing started. Let's repair this Christmas. To the first station, young Billy was led. I'm Mr. Chip, is what Mr. Chip said. You sort out the pieces, I'll do the repairs. So he made piles of pieces of ornaments there. Mr. Chip pulled some tools from a bag made of leather, and he healed all the ornaments. They seemed to melt back together. When Chip got to Mel Star, he asked Billy, What's this? Because he thought they were just broken popsicle sticks. That's the ornament star that Mel made, and I snapped. Then I can't fix this. It's for you to put back. He pulled out two brushes, one left and one right. One brush will fix it and set this thing right. The other will make sure that it's broken forever. Now it's your choice. Which one do you think would be better? Billy noticed some words on each side of each one. One said she deserved it. The other, I was wrong. Billy reached for the right one but stopped for a bit. Maybe it was okay because she deserved it. Miss Ansel whispered, The boss says when angry. We should still make good choices, but he knows us, and so when we forget how to act, if we tell him our sins, he'll forgive us and make our heart right once again. Billy took the right brush. I was wrong, and it's true. And the star popped together like two magnets do. Good job, kid, said Mr. Chip as he smiled. Keep up the good work, son. You're doing just fine. Next station, Ansel called. The stable is next. I'm Mr. Shepard, the second man said. We've got two separate jobs here. First, a smashed stable with lots of crushed figures and a misshapen manger. We know that it happened when the treetop went crazy, but what can you tell me about this little headless baby? Billy said the dog got him. He jumped up and snatched him. I pulled Jesus out of his mouth and it happened. Okay, that sounds good. Let's get started, said Shepard. With his tools, he repaired with what seemed like no effort. Billy was speechless. There weren't even cracks left. It was as if nothing there was broken to begin with. We've got a problem, Miss Ansa. I can't seem to fix this. I can't get the head back on poor baby Jesus. There's got to be more to the story, Billy. Help. Is there more than you've told us? Is there anything else? Okay, it was my fault. I took, played, and broke him. Mr. Shepard handed Billy the pieces still broken. I still can't fix it. There still must be more. Something other than dropping that bundle of joy. You broke more than a figure, Miss Answer said. 
You disobeyed mom and you did your thing instead. The boss says that children, they do the right things when they obey their parents. There are even blessings. Billy realized he would have avoided so much if he'd obeyed his mom and looked and not touched. Mom's rules made me mad, Billy said, but I know that she made them to keep me from trouble, and so right now I'll admit I was wrong and I'll change, Mr. Shepard said. Now you've got your head on straight. Something had happened that Billy would never understand. When he looked down, baby Jesus was whole in his hands. And what's more, he felt great. Mom's rules are for good. I'll remember that later and like I normally would. You did good, kid. Get moving. It'll be morning soon. Billy shivered inside because he knew it was true. This is taking a bit longer than I thought it would take. We gotta finish earlier. We'll be way too late. We've still got the tree. Billy, meet Mr. Green. I've been working for a while now, but I just cannot seem to do a thing with it. I believe it's in part that this tree is showing us the condition of your heart. That may have seemed strange on an ordinary day, but today wasn't ordinary in any ordinary way. When we make bad choices, our hearts take a beating, like the tree here and all of this damage you're seeing. The way your choices made a pillow collide with this tree is the same way you've been changed inside. Billy knew it was true. He'd known it all night. Like the other things, I've got to fix this thing, right? No, this one is different. The boss does these himself. That's why he sent baby Jesus like the one on your shelf. He came so that later he could die for our sins, and when we accept what he did, he rebuilds us good as new again. Billy winced, not because of what Mr. Green said, but because he saw sunbeams and those beams made him scared. I like what I hear, sir, but I'll do it somehow, because the sun's coming up and this needs fixing now. Billy climbed up a ladder and demanded the treetop. He still couldn't reach, so he reached way too far up. The ladder slipped out. On the tree, Billy landed. He grabbed on that tree, lost the top empty-handed. The star broke apart on the floor when it landed. He shut both his eyes up a tree. He was stranded. And then the rest of the tree fell towards little Bill. He landed with branches poking him, but laid still. He hadn't fixed anything. He had only made it worse. He wished he could erase this rewind and reverse. Miss Anza spoke to him from outside of the tree. You can't fix this mess by yourself, don't you see? The boss says there's nothing that you could ever do to heal or to fix or to even save you. He'll fix your broken heart. It's a free gift inside, just one of the complimentary services he provides. The men lift the tree and Billy escapes. His head hung low, tears fresh on his face. I'm so sorry, God. I've made a mess and I need you. Please forgive me of all of my choices. Make me brand new. Help me control my anger and obey. My parents, I ask all of this in your name. A man duck and cover. Someone new is here with us. It's my sister, said Billy. She's not wearing her glasses. She stumbled all sleepy to mom and dad's room. She didn't see anything, but they'll all be here soon. Billy looked at the room. Still a mess, and then some. Just go. We've got this. The hardest part has just been done. The repairs on your heart. That's what we had planned. So go, but stall them just as long as you can. We'll finish in time, said Mr. Chip. We've got all this covered, and Mr. Shepard did. See, even the tree is shaping right up, Mr. Green said as he put the treetop back on top. Thank you so much, Billy whispered as he ran. To his parents' room, he jumped on the bed and came down to a huge family hug. And after it was done, 
Billy said, I was a grump yesterday to everyone. I was mad, I was mean, and it put me in a mood. I forgot how Jesus wanted me to be good, but I remembered, and I asked God to forgive me, and he did, and he fixed me, and now I'm a new eight-year-old kid. Mom smiled. See, I told you a night's sleep would do wonders. Dad rolled his eyes. Let's go see what we got us. No, shouted Billy, but it was too late. Mom and his sister were running away through the door to the room where the tree had just been hit, where the ornament and Jesus had recently been split. Oh my, said his mother, my nativity set. What's wrong, said Billy. He was covered in sweat. Oh, nothing, said Mom. I had a dream it was crushed. It felt real, but I see that it hasn't been touched. Billy sees Miss Ansa poke her head from outside. Is everything good, she mouthed. Yes, Billy replied. She smiled, gave a thumbs up, and was gone just like that. Billy thought as she turned, he saw feathers on her back. Everything is fixed, Mom, inside and out. Merry Christmas, you guys. Now let's check these gifts out. And it was fixed that Christmas. And one way we know is that Billy was in charge of giving presents. And though they had both had their problems, do you know what he did? To his sister Melissa, he gave the very first gift. And that is the story. That's how it went down. When the Christmas repair service came to town. May your Christmas be awesome. May you learn from this fable. And if you need a new heart, just know God is able. And if I had just one wish I could wish, I would wish it. May your Christmas tree never have a couch cushion hit it.